What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, we're doing another round of side A versus side B. So we're digging into some of my favorite records. We're doing Take Offense. We're doing Mad Ball. We're doing Antidote. And we're doing a handful of others. So check that out. Please support the podcast by subscribing to it wherever you listen to it. Also, like it, rate it. And if you could take the time to leave a review, that would be great. If you want to go the extra mile, you can go to patreon.com slash 185 miles south and become a monthly patreon there are bonus podcasts for every interview episode we do so whoever is interviewed i bring some buddies on and we talk about that interview and we go through a playlist of that person and those are some of my favorite podcasts so check it out one dollar gets you behind the paywall also if you go to 185 milessouthcom there is a playlist for every episode so check that out as well and let's get on with the pod Hundred eighty-five miles south, a hardcore punk rock podcast. What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, we're doing another round of side A versus side B. Helping out, you know him, you love him. The best dressed man on the pod it is Dan Sant. What's up, Dan? Bring the noise, CBs. Yeah, man. And he is the author of the pod. It is Ben Merlis, a.k.a. Ben Edge, a.k.a. Bedge. What's up, Ben? Hello. How are you? There you go. No fake British accent that time. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, so we're rolling as a three this time because uh, scheduling is hard, dude. Everyone's got weird schedules. So uh, normally a four-piece, this time we're rolling three. But... uh, Let's jump right into it. So side A, side B, if you guys aren't familiar with this, basically I choose a bunch of records that I like a lot and uh, we go through and we decide is side A better or is side B better? And the reason why I like this more than some other activities of, uh, you know, looking at records is it's all positive, dude. Even if you hate the record, you got to find one that you like a little bit more. So that's what's up. And uh, that's why we're hitting this again. I'm here to punish my friends. And uh, I chose the uh, 25 to life, the demo seven inch back to basics records. I believe back to basics one. This is the 1993 demo that came out in 1995 on seven inch and uh, side a separate ways and burned by the flames and uh, side B smacking you up and inside knowledge. And uh, yeah, Dan, do you have a take on this? And then also, did you like it more or less than the, uh, the self-titled seven inch? Early Days <laughs> is the name of this 7-inch. Um, no, this my is demo. It's on the Early Days CD, which is what's on Spotify. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then I'm already as mental as Rick to life. <laughs> All right. So my two standout tracks from this EP, EP uh, are burned <laughs> from The Flames and inside knowledge burned by the flames i, I kind of like the tempo changes the vocal rhythms all right 
Um, the song Smacking You Up sounds like demented circus music at parts. <laughs> <laughs> Inside Knowledge is by far the best song here. It's more old school hardcore than the that 25 went on to be, you know, so it kind of, uh, I like the way that it, I don't know. It just comes out, uh, on top. So I'm going side B. Yeah, man. You know, inside knowledge is also an anti-racist song. And, uh, when Ben's talking, I'll, I'll run and grab the, uh, the <laughs> lyric sheet. Cause I scoured the internet the other day and couldn't find it anywhere. And I was like, there's no way my seven inch still has a lyric sheet. But sure enough, it did. Well, you know what? You want inside knowledge? I'm going to give you some inside knowledge right now. 25 to Life got back together recently, you know, with Stickman on vocals. And the original guitar player that brought the band back together has announced he's leaving the band to go solo in a project called Mista, with an A, Bojangles, described as death metal meets oi. (laughs) Whoa. <laughs> what is that gonna say? Oh man. <laughs> Mr. Bojangles coming soon. That's some inside knowledge for you. <laughs> yeah. That's gonna be ill, dude. I mean, what a what a perfect COVID project. Well, you My love death metal and you love Oi. I know. On one of those discussion pods, you know, when when Ben was mentioning uh you know that the the guitar is as important as the vocals, and I was arguing that it wasn't because like what if Glenn Benton sang for Lagwagon? You know, like this is, I wonder what way it's going to go. Is it going to be OE music with, with death metal singing, or is it going to be death metal music with like a guy doing catchy sing-alongs? Yeah. Or is it just going to be a cacophony <laughs> of bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows, dude? But uh, hey, could be good. We'll see. Ben, uh, what do you feel about this one? Well, you certainly are a punisher, Zach, because I can't think of anything more punishing than listening to a 25 to life record. Not my cup of tea, but (laughs) here is what I wrote. I'm just going to read verbatim my notes. This is so bad, LOL. Is he singing in English? I can only make out the swear words. Drum break on separate ways. Are those even drums? Burned by the flames is tedious. These guys sure love bass breaks. This is why you don't turn the gain to 10 on a guitar amp. Nothing to say about smaking you up. I hope he pronounces it smaking because that's how it's spelled and I can't tell. Inside knowledge is three minutes too long. Side A is slightly less painless. Side A. You know what? You're about to get smaked up from someone who's a 25 super fan. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) They're dwindling these days. It's it's tough because, uh, like, when I hear people on podcasts make fun of music I like, I'm like, shut the fuck up, dude. Why are you even talking about this? But it's like, this is the exercise. Like, this is... I mean, I didn't pick these records. I'm just... I'm going along and doing the thing. And there's plenty of records on here I do like. So The remit... The remit is punishment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is like originally when we were going to have Joe on, it was going to be like, this is side A, side B4. So we're bringing the original crew back around. And uh, I was going to hit you guys as 25 to life again and see if you liked it more or less. But uh, (laughs) I I feel a little worse punishing since we don't have the whole original crew. 
But uh, yeah, so inside knowledge, this, these lyrics are pretty fucking good, dude. Check this out. I'm going to read you like the first verse. Because I see beyond your idiocy, your false ideas of what America should be. No race superior, mixture of cultures, trying to achieve the American dream. That's sick. It's like yeah, actually but, good lyrics. But he doesn't believe that anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully he reads his old lyrics and comes around, you know? Yeah. It's uh, time for redemption, dude. Okay, so my take on this is <laughs> it comes down to, uh, well, I don't know. This is, is Smacking You Up is the best song. So taking that, any inside knowledge, I got to go side B. Smacking You Up, like that up-tempo is so good. It's kind of like their version of the Maiden Gallop. You know, it's like a hardcore gallop. Yeah, but so, the, the lead that is before that is the demented circus music. <laughs> yeah, that part. I, I feel you on that. I feel you on that. And the inside knowledge, dude. Classic anti-racist song. I love it. The, so, uh, the, kings, of, the kings of demented circus music are uh, Mr. Bungle. Yeah, Flipper is is in the conversation as well. Right. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, moving, moving forward with these exercises, like this will be the last one that I choose all. Cause now we have a giant master list that you guys can like choose some records off of. And we'll try to like circle in some newer stuff as well. And then people out there, you can hit us up. If you want us to do certain records, let us know. And uh, we'll bump them to the front of the pack. Um, all right, the second one we're doing is Total Classic, one of the greatest hardcore seven inches of all time. Antidote, Thou Shall Not Kill, seven inch Antidote Records, 1983. Ben, let's go to you. Um, this might be my favorite pre victim in pain New York, New York hardcore record. Um, I think I lifted some of the chords from the song Real Deal for a Fields of Fire song. I maybe the song keep it alive. I can't really remember, but I just remember like when I was writing a song, I was like, Oh, I can have it like that antidote song. But, um, so I guess, uh, I, they can sue me. Um, great solo on the song, real deal, uh, backups. It says in the notes that the backups are by Johnny that Harry Krishna Joseph. So this might be the first time John Joseph appears on a record from the Cro-Mags. Uh, I guess this might've been a little bit before he was even in the Cro-Mags or maybe around the same time he just joined. I, I'm not sure. Um, but that's cool. Cause I've listened to this record hundreds of times and had no idea he sings backups on that song. Um, you discovered uh, that like every, in the, in the research for this episode. Well, you cut and pasted the song titles and yeah. that is, was in part of what you cut and pasted and pasted oh, i guess so i never I, read the the liner notes that that closely yeah because that's kind of like a like a common hardcore fun fact so that's that's okay. sick though that's sick though yeah i just had no idea um I, every song on the on this seven inch is musically great uh the lyrics for foreign job lot suck that shit is bullshit um it's too bad because that song itself the music has a sick breakdown that youth of today lifted for the song understand. Um, or if they didn't, then they, if they didn't do it on purpose, then they did it through, you know, osmosis and listening to this record, uh, you know, a million times. 
Um, they lifted the and breakdown then, and the voice. They did. Okay. Yeah. Well, the voice definitely. I, um, I, I, I don't think that voice, I mean, yeah, you can say that he was going for that, but it's way different. Um, Ray is so much more animalistic. That's fair. Right. That's fair. He turned it up to 11, but it's that, it's that snarl. And yeah. it's gonna it's gonna sound different sonically depending on whoever does it, right? Like yeah. even Aaron yeah. Aaron and Standard Ground like did a similar thing, but it's gonna sound different from him. And and uh, Eric Ozine did a similar thing. It's gonna sound different from him, but it's like the same approach to how you're singing. Yeah, it's in the nose, and, snarling. And this is really subtle, but where the breakdown goes down, down, da 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 da. I hear the Sex Pistols in that. And I think the Sex Pistols got it from the Who, but you know maybe that's just something. Those those bands are so kind of ever present that maybe just if you're a drummer, you learn that, and then it's just the in your bag of tricks, and you don't consciously think I'm going to put a Who part in this part of the song. Um, and then in this in Got Me on the Line, he says, uh, "You look at me, I look at you," and that's exactly the way Pete Stahl does uh, sings. Uh, you look at me, I look at you. What the fuck are you going to do on the first Scream album, which actually came out the same year as the seven inch, but I think earlier in the year. So I don't know if that was, you know, on purpose as well. Um, and then Diet War is probably the most forgettable song on the seven inch and it still rips. So there's, there's nothing bad here uh, musically. And then something must be done is the obvious hit. It's the best song on the record. Who are we kidding? So, um, luckily it's not on the side with the bullshit nationalist lyrics. So this one is easy for me. Side B wins. Yeah. I think the hits on the record are real deal foreign job lot and something must be done. Like they're the songs that stand out as like more complete songs, but it's like the other ones, like, you know, starting life is one in a Nazi youth. Like those are two just perfect opening tracks for like raging early eighties hardcore, you know, like they're literally playing as fast as you possibly can without doing the scissor beat. And the songs are just like in out under a minute. So ill. And then like to go into real, real deal after that, which is like a little bit longer of a song. I'm like tracking it like one forty or something, but it has like a, you know, a defined sing along chorus and so forth. They toss a lead in there. Um, one thing I thought was so interesting about this is like that early eighties, hardcore sound is sonically so awesome because like the verse riff to this is like, it's what any like 13, 14 year old in a garage would do is like a riff. Just, you know, it's just four notes on the down tempo. It's not even a riff. It's just four notes, but it sounds so ill because of like this recording and like the way the singing is over it and like the drumming and the way they get all the sounds. It's just absolutely amazing. I agree hundred percent with Ben on foreign job lot. The lyrics suck. It's like, it's really a bummer. And then it's like almost like his angry voice makes it worse in a little way. Cause it sounds, it just sounds a little more hateful. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a bummer looking back on this, you know, it, it, it's one of those things like that never super bothered me before, but getting older and a little more worldly, you know, these things suck. And, and, you know, thinking about it, it's like shark attack covered the song. I think they even put it on a record, you know, and, and that's kind of, it's a weird thing to think about. Um, 
but yeah, these lyrics in retrospect aren't great. Um, side B, it's like Zero Mentality, Got Me Online, Diet War. Those are all just perfect hardcore songs. Perfect, straightforward, B+, great early 80s hardcore. And then Something Must Be Done, one of the fucking GOAT songs. You know, like, that riff is so catchy. If you write a riff that catchy, that's as catchy as, like, any fucking chorus, that's next level. And then I also love, like, that they kind of throw you that that curveball, like, later in when they go to, like, that surf riff. You know, it's like, oh. They're just keeping you going, but then they hit the main riff again. It's like, this is just a perfect wild song that who knows how the fuck they came up with this thing, but it's insane. And uh, I'm going side B as well. Dan, what's your opinion? Well, you know, this is regarded as like a God tier hardcore seven inch for most people. It's a thousand dollar seven inch pretty much. I think, Uh, you know, for first press. And, you know, it's very, it's on everyone's wants, you know, maybe not realistically on everyone's wants, but it's on, you know, everyone wants it. Don't get me wrong. It's an amazing seven inch, but it's never been up there for me. Like, like a lot of other things around this time would be. Now, that being said, like real deal is is a god tier hardcore song like it is so fucking good and it's one of the first examples of the classic nyhc backups you know really hammering like hard backups coming out of like um fast as fuck like hardcore and obviously punk before it on the pathway of this influence, this is like one of those first signposts of like really hard backups, you know, um, that would become a staple f- from then till now. Um, now foreign job lot, what a disappointment that these are just such fucking bullshit lyrics because what an epic marsh <laughs> on this song. It's so good. You know, um, got me on the line. I feel like if you listen to that now, you can hear the obvious uh, influence for side by side off of that song, like the way it unfolds. Like really listen to that, and then like it will, and then think side by side while you listen to it. It'll totally trigger that in your mind. I feel, um, and but you know, as we've said, something must be done is the pop hit. Awesomely covered by many bands we like, Kill Your Idols uh, and Redemption 87. Um, I've got to go side B because Foreign Job Lot's on side A. And, and you know, it's funny, that was always known as being a bullshit song when this song was, uh, when this music was introduced to me in the early 90s. Um, people would be like, yeah, but this song sucks. Um, but, you know, or early to mid 90s, but, you know, I was hearing it in San Diego, uh, border town and being, you know, having um, that being at the front of it, just being like, well, the person who um, taped it for me said they were almost going to leave that song off, but they didn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, um, Side B all the way. 
Yeah, no, if you saying that you don't think this is on the level of what a lot of people put it on, like I'm I'm racking my brain to try to think of like what's close because you know, just every song on this is good. You know, like the only thing I can think of that's better than this, like Mm-mm. in the eighties, you know, obviously you say the minor threat seven inches, but like for seven inch format, like the negative approach seven inch. Yeah. Like, other, it, other than that, and the abuse seven inches, like really close, I would say to this. Um, but otherwise, like this is just a standout. What What do you think is, is significantly better? Well, that's the thing is like when, when I'm saying God tier, do you know what I mean? Like this can be an amazing seven inch, but it's not the one where I, where I am thinking like, if I if I had a thousand dollars, I'd have the negative approach. Uh, set. If I had a thousand dollars to spend on a seven inch, I'd have the negative approach seven inch, not this. I'd have filler first press, not this. You know, right? But if you're gonna buy five seven inches of, you know, pre nineteen eighty five seven inch hardcore, eighty to eighty five, like this is top five. Hmm. I will think about what five I could put against it for a for a later little check in. Yeah, and and I'll put five from the same era against it and see if it if it is in the five or not. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you I know, just think you know, like United Blood just doesn't sonically sound as good. Like you can't hear the drums well enough to like have it there. Those songs are good enough. If if United Blood had this recording, it would be better. I think, but United Blood doesn't have this recording. Yeah, but the... Oh, I, I was going to say, um, I was just trying to think of other seven inches from the same time period that are almost as, or close to being as good or in the same league. And there's one, do you know this band from Connecticut called CIA? Um, they became, they kind of morphed into 76% uncertain. And a lot of those guys played on the first shelter album, just strangely enough, but like for CIA seven inch, it's called God guts and guns. It's so fucking good. It's up there with this one. I have seen that seven inch, um, bandied around a lot as classic material, but I've never listened to it. Is it on Spotify? We can toss it on a list for next time. You know what? I don't know if it is. We'll, right, we'll have we'll, to look that look that up later. Ch- yeah, you can check and then. Uh, we'll, and if it's we'll not, go. make sure you get it uploaded, Ben. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go on to the next one. We're going all the way back to 1978. Danger House Records. We're doing the bags. Survive seven inch, and this is one of those classic 77 inches where it's just two songs. So it's, do you like the A side or the B side? And. uh Daniel, let's go to you. It's Survive versus Babylonian Gorgon. Yeah. Did you say Gorgon? Yeah, Gorgon. I, Gorgon. I, it's a it's a a beast. Um, I'm gonna say like both of these songs are great. <laughs> that, I mean, but I mean that's why you gave it to us to to debate, I think. But um survive is such a killer punk song with a really interesting musical beginning like the finger clicks and the hi-hat really are nodding to jazz and jazz club vibe you know um but then the the recording seems to ramp up as the punk part the punk attitude and the snare and and the fun uh starts to come in it's like 
the recording becomes a bit brighter around that time. Um, you know, and then it, 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 it also kind of downbeats a little bit for the, brings the jazz stuff back at the end of the song, but it's such a good song. Um, Babylonian Gorgon. I think the intro is really cool. The recording recording for both of these songs are, are great. Um, the Babylonian Gorgon has more of what would be go on to be considered kind of like a, a new wave vibe. Um, it's a absolutely killer seven inch, but I'm going to have to go with survive side a. Ben, let's go to you. Um, this is one of these records I've you know, been listening to since I was a little kid. So I'm, it's interesting to try to, you know, listen with fresh ears to something that I've heard forever. Um, but I, I love how the intro to survive sounds like they're all standing under lamp posts in the 1940s with trench coats on and hats covering their faces while snapping their fingers. And it like would have made for a great music video if they had, if they had made a video for this. Um, and I never really noticed until now how discordant the guitar solo in the song survive is. It sounds very black flag. And I think this is actually, this was done between nervous breakdown and um, uh, jealous again. So this is before Greg Ginn was putting little solos in, into the black flag song. So I wonder if it was an influence on black flag. Um, uh, no idea, but, um, and then that scream towards the end of the song that Alice does is so wild. It's like, there's some sort of studio effect that kind of like fades it out, which is really cool. Um, and then the B side is another classic early LA punk song, but survive is definitely the more unique of the two. So I'm, I'm going to go with side A as well. Uh, survive. Yeah, survive is more intricate. You know, it's got that the wild the do 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 do, like which gives you like a really, I don't know, post apocalyptic type feeling, or like, yeah, like you're standing out, you know, in the streets and it's rainy in the 1940s and you're under a lamppost, um, you know, just like dark vibes, but like they bring it in and rage. It's a wild song, and you know what's so ill is they they stick so much in the song. And it's still under three minutes, you know, it's, it's so fucking good, but I like that they can do a song like that where they really push, you know, I guess like, I mean, in my simple brain, right. They're pushing these boundaries that weren't even really set yet. This is 1978, but like they're pushing the boundaries of like what I like. Um, but then they can come in and, and the second song side B is just a straight 1978 LA punk rager. Like this is a great classic, straightforward, down strumming song that is like right in the pocket of what I love. And uh yeah, I'm going side B. Babylonian Gorgon. And uh do you think they played D and D, Daniel? Is that Let's what this hope. Is from? Let's hope. <laughs> uh Clash of the Titans had a Gorgon. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. The Clash uh, of the Titans. This one uh we're split. So but yeah, two two on side A and one on side B. And uh, this would be a good time to tell everyone uh, there's a playlist for every podcast. I'm trying to keep that up. And uh, for these ones, it's definitely important. I'll never stop doing it for these guys. So 
If you need to check this stuff out for the first time, you can go to 185milesouth.com, click that playlist link, and uh, yeah, there's a playlist. So I really, I really hope that um, you know if people are listening to this and they're intrigued, like it's just one extra click, go listen to the music because I would have loved stuff like this going on, and I'd still love stuff like this going on, turning me onto new tunes that I may not have ever heard. And especially when everything's so accessible now, you know? Yeah. I mean, for these, these ones, we're only choosing stuff that's on Spotify. So, you know, to make it easier for the listener, because otherwise this could be really frustrating. Like, you know, I would love to do like the Florida powerhouse seven inch, but like how frustrating would that be if I talk for 10 minutes about how much the seven inch rules. And then there's like only two songs uploaded on YouTube. Like that's a nightmare, you know? So all this stuff's on uh, Spotify and, you can, you can get the link through the 185 miles south.com or <clears throat> I don't know if you're s- smart and you can figure out how to search Spotify. My username is 185 miles south. So you can find everything that way too. Um, okay. Next one we're doing, we're taking it to victory records, but early victory 1989 doing the Billings gate reach out seven inch. And uh, yeah, they have it written out as this side and Pat side, which is pretty funny, but uh Let's let's go to you first, Ben. What's your take on this? You know, I think this record actually came out in 1990. If people are, uh, you know, a stickler for dates the way I am. But it's weird, yeah, when you look at the Spotify page, it says 1989. And then you look at all the pressings and it's all 1990, 1990, 1990. Like, how did it end up saying it's 89? But whatever. I'm sure it was recorded in 89 and came out in 90 or some shit. But um, like... This is one of those uh, seven inches. I I actually didn't get the seven inch itself initially. I got it from, there was a compact disc called Victory Records, the early years. And it had like this muscle man guy on the front of it, like lifting kids or something. Uh, and it had all like the first maybe six or seven, seven inches that Victory put out. And it's a cool, it's a cool CD, a, a good, um, kind of introduction to the label. Um, but, uh, I, uh, I remember this being better than, than it is. I mean, than it was for me when I listened to it, preparing for this episode, I love how he says, no, no boundaries, but then you get the ticket, 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 ticket. And then, um, there's a fun fact. It's the guitar player of Billingsgate is actually the singer of Dillinger four. Uh, who has the higher, more melodic voice, Eric. Uh, so before Dillinger 4 existed, he lived in Chicago and he played guitar in a straight edge hardcore band, which is kind of funny because I think, doesn't Dillinger 4 have like a song that's like really kind of uh, critical of the straight edge scene? Uh, Zach, our resident uh, expert on Dillinger 4, is that true? Not that I'm aware of. Not not this okay. game like that. Right. Um, unless I'm, I'm totally missing it, but they, cause they're generally more like, I don't know, poetic, political, I guess. Right. I, I would, I would think it's a stretch for them to like, all right, let's have a song bagging on straight edge. That doesn't seem like they're lane. Yeah. Yeah. If I can find it, I'll, it's too late now, but, um, but I, there's the record cover has them all standing, you know, it's like a black and white photo of the band. And one of them has this straight edge letterman jacket with a big x on it and i i don't know which one eric is but i hope that he's the one wearing the letterman jacket so if someone knows please email us uh 
but this record in general is like a very middle of the road sort of late 80s early 90s straight edge record which at at one time was enough for me to be stoked on like oh it's a straight edge band that doesn't play metal i'm sold like that's all it took like i had a very low bar for this kind of stuff um and uh i just i can just picture like the person you know how there are all these podcasts where they just go through entire discographies of record labels. Like there's a discord one and a revelation one, and there's a death wish one. Now, do you know if there's a victory one? No, but that would be very interesting. Like someone should get on that. Yeah. Because we, we, that should, would be, we should shout out Ben, like, cause the people that do those label ones, like they do a really good job, at least the discord one and, and where it went doing the rev one. Right. And so if you, if you took on victory records, there'd be so many left turns like that band, that label went through so many phases that it would be a trip to do. Um, and I can just picture like, you know, someone getting to episode two and listening to this record and, you know, thinking like, what did I get myself into? And then by the time they get to design the skyline, they have like a shotgun in their mouth. Um, but, uh, this going <laughs> by the end of, by the end of side B it's like we have the song won't hang myself which is it kind of drags it's a little too long and then um side B opens with this great speech where he says reach out and pass it on and I love how like I love that like you know straight edge hardcore record speech with a Chicago accent and and it's like uh my favorite part of the record. And then there's like a sweet reggae breakdown on the song, open your eyes, but I'm going to go with side B just because that's the side that has the speech on it, on it. Yeah. You know, on that, the, on the cover photo, I'm 90% sure Eric is the, the long hair next to the guy in the straight edge jacket that appears to be smoking a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of interesting. I don't know if they're a straight edge shark event because there's something in his finger. Unless it is just his finger. I don't know. Someone someone zoom in more. I'll have to dig out the seven inch. I'm just looking at the Discogs photo. But uh I have the seven inch. Daniel, you want to take this? Yeah. I hate following Ben when our thoughts are exactly the same. <laughs> like I, I'm just gonna rehash almost what Ben said. Um I hadn't thought of this band for ages, like seriously, but when you know they were around or not even when they're around, when, when, you know, you're starting to see the rest of victory earlier records, when you are deep into the firestorm. Um, and you know, this is an edge band. I always thought it was one of the worst names ever. I'm like Billingsgate sounds like a fucking like accounting firm. Like I do not like the name, but I like revisiting it for this experiment because, you know, I don't think I would have ever pulled this out ever again, you know? Um, yeah, before we is, move on, though, do you know what Billingsgate means? No. It's coarsely abusive language. And it's also one of the 25 words of London. Well, yeah, I've just Googled it myself as well right now. <laughs> I didn't know that either. <laughs> well, um, I feel like this isn't kind of in that mouthpiece pocket, you know, it's not quite youth crew, but it's not being metal. You know, it's in that, like, 
non-metallic, non-energetic hardcore. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, old school, I suppose. <laughs> you know, could be labeled it. I don't know. Um, but on a whole, the record is a little bit boring to me. You know, but by far the best part of this whole record is the speech before uh, reach out. It's, I mean, and the words still ring true today of what it's saying, you know, and it also goes before the best song reach out. So that's why I'm going with side B, but I love the speech. Like I want to sample the speech on a future <laughs> podcast or record. It's cool. Yeah, we should hack it for the uh, the next 185 Mile South Posse song. Yeah. You know, because it's really good. It's great. Um, this 7-inch is, is wild. I have the LP too, and I like the LP more. I always knew that I liked the LP more, but I do remember the 7-inch being better. And listening to it in my car, it was pretty <laughs> rough. Um, yeah. Enough that, like, you know, I like to keep these things positive, so I, I took some notes of what I really like. Um, no, no boundaries. <laughs> First off, I love using no, no, that's so ill. And then also like his voice, this singer is really, really good when he's on and like on the breakdown part, he's a great hardcore singer. So he has his moments of like doing really well. Um, do you want to just talk on the recording? Because like they, they use the scissor beat a ton um, on side a and the recording is so bad. You can barely hear the snare. So that's rough for the scissor beat. Scissor beat, you want less hi-hat, more snare. And this one, you get more hi-hat, less snare. So epic fail from the engineer, but fuck it. He probably never knew how to do a scissor beat recording. Who can blame him? Or the dicka dicka, as Ben says. Dicka dicka beat. Won't hang myself. This song is straight up offensive because no song should be over three minutes and have a scissor beat. That's rough. <laughs> you know? Scissor beat songs like should be under a minute. Come on. All, right. All hardcore songs should be under three minutes. Yes. Thank Period. you very much. <laughs> um, all right. But side B has some, some solid moments. So side B, they don't do the scissor beat at all. And believe it or not, they actually just use a straight fast beat on the second song on Never Stop, which is like, okay, well, why don't you just do a straight fast beat on the songs on side A and make them better? Um, doesn't make any sense. But that song's pretty generic and forgettable also. Um, reach out. We've talked on the intro, like the, the talky part, which is great. And as Daniel said, it goes into the best song, which makes it even better. Um, on this song, they, they go to like the bouncy beat and it's kind of got like that verbal assaulty guitar and they, they'd go a little more verbal assaulty on the LP. But what I mean by that is like, he's, he's kind of doing like double picky stuff. Like there's some fast right hand action going on over like a bounce beat. You know, um, yeah. And then the the last song on the record, "Open Your Eyes." I mean, it's like them trying to write an opus. Like it's just an epic song. There's a million parts. They toss in like a reggae part for Daniel, um, but it's it's too long. But oh, uh, yeah, but I, so I'm going side B on the strength of "Reach Out," but yeah, I think "No No Boundaries" is really good, especially the second half of the song. Um, so this is worth checking out. If people are going through the playlist, I would say listen to no, no boundaries and listen to reach out and get an idea for like where these guys, these guys are at their best. Um, and, no, no boundaries for the and, vocals um, 
and reach out for the uh, the music. Ben? It, it, it's worth noting that the singer is named Squirrel, and I have a friend named Warren Curry who is obsessed with the fact that the singer of Billingsgate is named Squirrel. He thinks that's the funniest thing in the world. And I'm like mesmerized by that. Like you think this guy's nickname is just the funniest thing that ever happened in the history of the world. Like the fact that this guy called himself squirrel, like, so shout out. And then now, now Warren's nickname is uh, Warren, the under underlord squirrel. Cause he thinks into another is really funny too. So shout out to Warren, the underlord squirrel. If you're listening. Do you think he got that nickname because he's a fan of eating nuts? Like he didn't go anywhere without like a bag of peanuts or something, or he was just an aficionado no and like knew what a Brazil nut was. I don't know. <laughs> no. Anyway, <laughs> what's your probably, theory, Daniel? Sorry. He, he probably looks like a fucking squirrel. That's true. He probably just like has chubby cheeks, <laughs> chubby cheeks, big teeth. <laughs> I, and no yeah. one in this photo looks like that. Yeah. So he must be a nut fan. <laughs> You know, if it's not one, it's the other. So there you go. Occam's razor, dude. He, he's or he's squirreling away all the merch money. Oh, how about that? <laughs> how about that? Um, okay, number five. We are gonna do the downpressor seven inch age of ignorance. Came out on triple B in two thousand nine. Early triple B release. And uh this is downpressor really coming to their own. This record is fucking great, in my opinion. Uh yeah, Daniel, you, you. you you start it off. Okay. Let's hear well, you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's hard for me to break out these songs because Downpressor is like the ultimate mind fuck that I embrace. Like this is when they're they're really coming to their own and all this songwriting, like they don't have there's no coherent songwriting going on. It's like riff and then move on to the next part with like another riff, and then move on to the next part with another riff. But Dan's vocals and lyrics are so catchy and clever to borrow a word from Daniel. I mean, it's just, it's perfect on here using that word clever, like that somehow he's able to like glue these songs together with like lyrical content, which makes them make sense and makes them bang. And all these songs have that. Um, It was really hard for me to like break this down to like coming up with a favorite because each one of these songs has some sort of hook that I absolutely love. This is just a straight six song banger. I love everything on this, but the song shiver is probably my favorite. Um, I love when it goes to the palm on the, pa- the fast part. I've talked about it a million times on this pod. Cause I think it was on my Nardcore super seven. Um, but yeah, so I'm leaning side a by a hair and uh, Daniel, let's go to you. All right. Well, I'm going side B. Um, and even though, you know, like you say, all the songs are good. All the songs sound good. All the playing is top notch and the vocals are great. And like you say, they do um, ride over it to give it some kind of coherency. Um, I think what's interesting is a lot of the time with a, with um, some of these songs, there'll be a mosh part, but then it'll come with an even more like faster, more brutal part after a mosh part on some of the songs. So it's like, nah, you thought you expended all your energy, then get back up. You know, um, I'm going with side B because I love the verse riff on 360 disease. I think that's my favorite song on the seven inch. Um, 
the mosh part on the labyrinth is so ill and and it's kind of sleazy the guitar is like real sleazy on it um and i love uh broken walls like how the up like i just said like it gets really up tempo out of the mosh part so i'm gonna go side b even though arm's length is a killer song and so is shiver edge let's go to you um so just from the name of the record uh, age of ignorance i'm expecting it to be um ignorant riffs front to back so um i'm you know not the ignorant riff expert so you guys tell me do you think uh if this is a record that is chock full of ignorant riffs i think there's plenty ignorant riffs on here for sure right on um i think there's a the- celebration of ignorant riffs. I would say it's a plethora of, of, <laughs> of ignorant riffs. Uh, a, a veritable cornucopia of ignorant riffs. Uh, the breakdown on arm's length almost sounds like the record is skipping. It's like he's leaving out beats, but it actually works rhythmically. There's some like some really weird beat going on there, but it's, it's rhythmically correct. Um, it's good playing. Uh, I got a trial I got trial vibes from the end of the song shiver. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm completely off the mark on that one. And, um, the, what's the song where he says, eat like a cannibal. That might be that song. Um, and then, uh, listening to that double bass pedal, just go, go ape shit. It's like a, that scene in a clockwork orange where they force Alex's eyeballs open and, and make him watch atrocities on a film projector. It's like Zach is duct taping headphones to my ears and he's forcing me to listen to metalcore Cause it's like, so it's like that. Did you guys ever read that article where they, this is from probably the end of the seventies. They played punk music for Chuck Berry. And they're like, what do you think of this? This is the clash. This is the Ramones. This is sex pistols. And Chuck Berry like was just like so out of his element, just being like, uh, <laughs> But he had like funny things to say about these records. And, like I, what what that is to Chuck Berry, this is to me talking about it right now. Um, that song, 360, to, 360 degrees, it, it sounds like it would make for a good drum exercise because there's a little bit of everything going on there uh, rhythmically. And then uh, the Labyrinth has a guitar solo that kind of breaks up the monotony. And then... Um, Broken Shout out wall. David, what? Oh, the labyrinth. That's right. <laughs> um, and it's funny when I was listening to the labyrinth, I'm like, oh, they should have put a voice. They should have put an echo on the dude's voice. That's like a wasted opportunity. And then I heard Broken Walls, which is the very next song, and there's an echo on his voice. So it's like they made up for it. So I'm gonna go with side B. Yeah, you ask and they deliver, dude. That's what Downpressor does. There's so many like lyrical gems on here, though. Like I had to pull up some stuff. So that, that line that you were talking about, Ben, that live like a beast, die like an animal. You can feast if you eat like a cannibal. That's so ill. That and then a, uh, my favorite that, one in I that, like that. What's that? I, look, I really like that. So good. And then the best line, I think, on that, this is on the Shiver track. He says, shoot first, ask questions never. Do you, just, do you swear to tell the truth? Yeah, yeah, whatever. And like the way he says it in the song, is, the way he says whatever, yeah, is is a, an absolute highlight of the seven inch, right? Like and yeah, whatever. Dude, <laughs> it's I mean, so cool. I, I I actually hate that term god tier, but like 
if you want to talk about like <laughs> lyrical delivery, like that part is like no one else could do it. Like, and so there you are, like you're on that tier. Like his, his flow on that song is out of this world. Here's another one from that song, the labyrinth shout out David Bowie, uh, crusader, <laughs> truth of Vader, false prophet, counterfeit savior. And now here's why I like, I like when they write like Ben, you're a fan of hip hop cross bearer yes. without a prayer submit to the mark you wear cross bearer without a prayer. Like that's a fucking brilliant line. Like I would be running around the house if I wrote that, you know, like, I mean, I've written shit that's pretty good and I know how it feels, but like when he wrote that line cross bear without a prayer, fuck, that's like next level shit that like people, you can sit and write forever and you can't attain it. Like that's that tap into like some otherworldly shit, you know? What do you so think fun. down presser means? I've I always wondered that. It's some reggae thing, I think, right? Okay, think, is it to do? Is it to do with dub? I think like, it's like I think it's some related to that. I'm not sure. Okay, all right. Sure. Well, that I was. I obviously it's pushing a button of some of some regard, but I I've never known exactly what it means. So it's always been a curious thing in my mind. Yeah, I'll ask him. Um, um, I looked it up. I looked it up just now. And it it is slang. It's I found this on UrbanDictionary.com. Remember, it says any authoritarian figure, including government, people, police, and corporate management, possibly in some cases only including those on the front lines of population control. Police, the media, your boss, your spouse, your parents, teachers, security guards, parking attendants, etc. Anyone which tries anyone who tries so push to push you control, down. To yeah. Control your thoughts, deeds, and how you choose to communicate, or what you choose to communicate about. Possibly coined by the Swedish hip hop group Loop Troop. No, I don't believe that a Swedish hip hop group coined <laughs> an English word. Um, hey, don't hate, dude. Shout out Sweden. Shout out Frederick. Shout out uh, Staffan. Yeah, I could be wrong. Shout out dude? Stefan Edberg. Shout out um, <laughs> Dennis Licks. And I'm just thinking of Swedes. <laughs> <laughs> But no, this, is, this is a great band name, though. Like, yeah. It's even iller. Like, Except for the bass player. We're not shouting out the bass player of Ace of No, Bass. he was a Nazi a long time ago, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sick name, and then the meaning is sick, apparently, too. Which is ill, because like they came out of... They were always like a good band you know, in their early incarnations, but they had a million terrible band names before they settled on Downpressor. You know, they were, they were Don't Be a Menace for a minute. They were Brass Monkey for a minute. And, uh, oh God! I don't yeah, like but they were ones. hard as fuck, and uh, and I coined them Bricklayer once, and I don't know if they That's, ever, I don't know if they ever played a show off that or not, but maybe they played a show with the Violators. <laughs> Shout out Rock and Jock Softball. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that dude? Mark Lennon. Who was the VJ? Like the long hair one? Dan Cortez. Okay, I don't know, but I'm way off. <laughs> MTV Sports, Dan Cortez. Yeah. Um, none of none of those names that that downpressor were come come even come close to uh, the original name of diehard youth, new thugs on the block. <laughs> well, that would have been rough. That's what they were called. That would have been rough. They? Shout out Andy. I don't know. Yeah, let's shout, shout out, out Andy, Andy for sure. Um, okay. Well, let's move on. The next one again. This is this is you know we haven't done funeral oration yet. And I've talked about them a lot. And so this is a seven inch they did. And a couple of these songs are on my favorite album that they do. So this is a funeral oration. What is it? 
Seven Inch Hopeless Records, 1995. And uh, Dan, let's go to you. Um, yeah, friends are best. And to stay friends with Zach, I'll say <laughs> side two, because friends are best. And that I wish this Dutch band was as good as Marco van Basten, Frank Rijkaard, and Rude Hullet, three of my favorite Dutch footballers of all time, as well as the king of Dutch football. Does anyone know who the king of Dutch football is? No. Johan van Cruyff. So anyway, um, this is just below average pop punk to me. Uh, no offense. No, you can you can say whatever you want. They're all dead. yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> uh, but one thing that is interesting is that you know their name uh, is derived from Pericles' uh, funeral oration at the end of the Peloponnesian War. Um. So, or I assume that's what it's from, which is a cool historical uh, reference. But yeah, I I didn't really have a lot between the two sides, but I did enjoy uh, Friends Are Best as the best song on it. Um, so I'm going side B. See, I don't know. I guess this this band has hits me in a weird place because I think that Friends Are Best song is terrible. Um, it's the filler song of the seven inch, I thought. And, yeah, but I, I, I'm just saying I like it because of the notion. No, I know. It's it's yeah. sincere, right? Yeah. Like, okay, well, but then we can just have a song about, like, pizza's good. You know? <laughs> it is? It is. I know. I know. Don't need to sing about <laughs> it, though. But, and then the, the other song on side B, the truly intensive, I don't like how it starts. Like, it's, it's a little repetitive, but I do love how it just, like, kicks fast out of nowhere. And you're like, oh, what's up, though? Like, we slamming now. Like, that's pretty real. <laughs> what's know? up, though? <laughs> yeah, beside A, I love these songs. These are the two that are on the Funeration self-titled. <laughs> Funny enough, their second self-titled album, but the first one on Hopeless. And uh, what is it is just a cool song. I like it, like the starts and stops. And I just love his voice. I love that it's simple, simple like guitar music, you know, with like a unique voice. And I can totally understand how you think it's it's below average or whatever because if I was to describe it, it would be like a dumbed down jello singing over like dumbed down bad religion, you know? So I guess if you're looking for like a, a B or C level of both those bands, maybe this is it. But for some reason it just gets me in the fucking feels. And I think that that song expanding is like one of my favorite songs. Like I love how they just kind of keep milking at the end, but it's like a raging fast part. And like those ring outs, like I don't know any other band that sounds like that. You know, like that do so many like guitar stops. Did you notice that at all when you're listening to this? Like, why does a guitarist keep like ringing out on a cymbal and then come back in? Like, he does it a million times. And it seems yeah. like it would be something that annoys me, but I just love it. And I don't know anyone else that does it. I also noticed that the backups are not that great of what they're going for. They're not nailing it, but there's almost a charm to that. Well, they're going for like that, like crassy type like backup like that real early 80s anarcho punk backup but they should be going for a more powerful backup to fit this music well it it seems that it's stuck in between the two the oozanars of bad religion and that it's like somewhere in between and it isn't quite nailing either 
<laughs> I think that's, that might be fair. But anyway, uh, before I go to Ben, I'll just say that if people are perusing this playlist, I would say check out the song Expanding if you want to understand why I love this band. Um, and and I'm one of the rare ones that do. So, Ben, let's go to you. Yeah, the other thing worth noting is this is like a mid-90s pop-punk record. This band started putting out records in like 82 or something. Yeah, it said like, 82 on the Wikipedia. But obviously they did not sound like this in 1982. Otherwise, they would be the most influential punk band that ever existed because this is what every band in the 90s sounded like. Um, so what is it is like decent pop punk without doing the nasal voice and the do that do that beat. So this sounds like a record that me and my friend Josh would have been into around the time that it came out, but I just happened to not buy this record, but I was listening to a lot of music like this around in the mid nineties. Um, we were into bands like Schlepp Rock, Sicko and Mandingo. They're kind of like second, like B tier pop punk bands that don't have the no effects vibe going on for them, which might explain why none of them ended up signing to fat records and being like way bigger. Yeah, they were like um, the bands that were on Fearless before Fearless put out at the drive-in. Yeah, or empty, empty records, or um, they were they were all the bands that were on comps like Punk Bites. <laughs> yes, totally Punk yeah. Bites bands. <laughs> you know what's funny is there was Punk Bites and Punk Sucks. I think only Punk Bites got a vinyl release. Punk yeah. Sucks was superior, but didn't have a vinyl release. I think Swindles on Punk Bites. Uh, yeah, and, one and, of the shining and, moments and got vinyl given it yeah. given to him yeah, yeah. yeah. sorry ben oh <laughs> uh, yeah so expanding is a pretty good song as well um someone should do a database of like tasteful 90s pop punk that doesn't sound like no effects and like this would be in that database um uh, i none of the songs to me it's funny how you're like you know this song is not good at all or whatever, or like to me, none of these songs stand out. It's just like all pretty good. Um, um, and then truly intensive kind of sounds a little different, uh, than the other ones. So I'm going to go with side B just for the variety's sake. So side B is my answer. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Side B wins. And, uh, Hey, that, that makes perfect sense. So if, if like, I'm one of the only funeration fans and I try to share a record and you guys like the stuff that I don't like, or like, you know, my stuff gets on the bottom. Makes sense. And then just to talk on their 80s stuff, we did a little bit on, I believe side A side B part two, maybe. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause we talked about the Chicago versus Amsterdam split seven inch. They put out like what's considered a pretty classic hardcore punk LP, I believe in 1984 called communion. It's really good. Um, I'll share it with you guys. You can check it out. It's way, way different. They're doing like the scissor beat, but it's kind of like melodic in a way. And the guy's voice sounds the same. It's, it's wild music. Um, that's worth checking out if you like 80s hardcore. 80s, you know, a little bit different hardcore. Anyway, moving on to number seven. We're going to do the Mad Ball. Been there, done that. Seven inch. Victory Records, 1998. This seven inch came out uh, between the second and third LP. It came out right before they did uh, Look My Way, I believe, as a one-off on Victory. And uh, yeah, Ben, let's go to you first. How do you feel about this? Um, I was wondering, is this considered bounce music? 
I mean, it, I don't know. Would you consider they, this bounce music? They yeah. haven't. They haven't got to their full bounce potential of "Hold It Down" yet. Well, I would you know say that I mean? like, like one you... of their best bounce songs is the song "New York City" off "Set It Off." Yeah, like that tempo. But it, uh, I would say <laughs> "Hold It Down" is full of bounce. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Although I would say that, like, yeah, full bounce. But "Thing to Myself" is like a pretty good like head bob song. You know, they they hit that tempo. I don't oh, know. I they're definitely bouncing on that song. I I I will talk about that in a minute. <laughs> okay, so Ben though, uh, undetermined. Okay, um, I was kind of whatever what I can make out from the lyrics to thinking to myself. Uh, I was thinking it may have actually prevented people from doing crimes because he's saying it's not worth death or jail. Uh, you got to figure there are people who are living that life who actually heard this song and like hopefully thought twice about it. Um, and then uh, well, they give it up to killing time. Yeah. Well, to jump in before that. you into killing time. So the first album set it off is pretty raw lyrically, but the second album demonstrating my style, I, I have talked on the pod before. I think it's the most underrated, like not underrated in a way that it's underrated because it's classic, but it doesn't get like the credit for being a great positive hardcore album. Like a lot of the lyrics on there are really fucking positive kind of in the way of like this thing to myself, right? Like how you're, you know, he's, he's giving you a positive, uh, a positive outlook there. Like do good, bro. Right. It's not acknowledged for, uh, for being positive. Because... He's trying to make a positive change. Hey, shout out right. to Andy again. <laughs> and then, uh, so then they do a killing time cover, uh, fools die, uh, after that also on side B and, um, killing time are kind of like the godfathers of this whole sound. Don't you think, who would you say is like the sound that they're doing on this record? Would you say Madball themselves created that or it, it came a little bit before them, right? Yeah. I would, yeah, I would say break, breakdown and killing time, it's right, which is the same band. Is, is basically breakdown, is breakdown killing time and agnostic front one voice. Okay. And, and even by one voice, um, mad balls already, already doing their thing. Cause that's what 92 ish. Yeah, and also Matt Henderson know. plays on one voice and he's writing all these bad ball songs. Right. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. Okay. That's exactly what I thought. So, so it's kind of like they're giving it up to the godfathers of the, of this whole sound by covering fools die, you know, mm, almost a decade after, the killing time record came out. Um, so I'm going to go with side B just cause you know, you got that, you got that positive uh, song and you've got that uh, cover. Uh, so and it's always good to uh, acknowledge your influences. Yeah. And I love Ben breaking down the, uh, the New York hardcore lineage that rules. Dan, let's go to you. I've always felt the recording on the seven inch and also the use of the voice box on the title track kind of waters down uh the power of madball you know like going to that like vocal effect it just is of the time it's of the you know the 90s and it just it's not as it just doesn't age well i suppose but the the song uh thinking to myself is far superior to the title track in my opinion. So if we were going one for one, like side B is already winning. 
Um, and that's not to say that Been There, Done That is not a good song. It's a fucking great song, you know. But I'm going to go uh, side B because thinking to myself, like we said, it's got such a cool, like, bouncy, early hold it down, like, wink to it. You know, you can see what's going to come later on in life. Um, two years what, later, I suppose. What actually is on hold it down, I think. And that's what's weird about this is like, yeah. you know, if this is like the basically, you know, kind of demoing for Look My Way, the third LP, it's weird that thinking to myself doesn't go on that record and they save it for Hold It Down. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then you get the bonus of a Killing Time cover, which is recorded in such a hard manner, you know, the backups are tough as fuck. Um, and and like, you, know, I mean, there's plenty of, pictures of of killing time later killing time shows where freddy's just running the pit you know like so it's a band that means the world to him you know so uh it shows in in the cover it's really good so i'm going side b yeah i'm going side b also just because i think thinking of myself is is one of my it's a top madball song top 20 you know Top 10, maybe top 15, somewhere in there. Um, but been there, done that. Thinking back on this, like it wasn't one of my favorite songs. I listened to the song, it's like it's fucking good, dude. And then also, an interesting thing about this song, listening to it, that breakdown at the end, like the chuggas with like the up tempo riffing, that would be like a hardcore trope that would carry on. And I'm wondering if this is the first time it happened. I can't think of anything like before it. And I might be totally wrong. Like I'll have to go back and listen, but like the dun 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 dun, you know, but then the guitar the other guitar is going So you kind of have like a a chugamosh going, but you have the other guitar like doing really up tempo down. I would say riffing. Uh songs to fan the flames refused do that kind of thing. I'm not saying that Madball would have been necessarily influenced by Refuse, but I would say that's a mid nineties. And they're doing that a lot. They use that like one guitar and the rhythm section are doing the stops while another guitar is doing uh more playful or not playful, but doing yeah, but the other guitar is like going up tempo. Yeah. And, and, uh, okay. I'll have to check that out because like, this is a hardcore trope that would like carry on like, you know, Tara would do it a bunch, and then like a bunch of modern hardcore bands all use this trick. And this is like Snapple snap doing on, case a- on the oh yeah, Snapcase sna- too, for, snap for case sure. Album. But the first one, yeah, which is like yeah. early nineties. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, but but also like think about it in the context of like you know put it in the breakdown spot, not having it be like the verse. Maybe I don't know if that makes any sense. Like you're you're crescendoing to this part. Yeah, I mean, as like the big moment, like you know, because lots and lots of bands do this now, all the time. Like you know, someone does a full length. There's a part like this, but I'll, I'll revisit yeah. those two. I never liked Snapcase, and I never liked Refused either. Although that record is better than their <laughs> the travesty of the Shape of Punk to come. All right, for the eighth one, let's do. This was Ben's idea. We're going to do the Take Offense album from 2019, P. 
Pure Noise Records. The LP is called Keep an Eye Out. And uh, yeah, I'll start it off. So I think Take Offense came into like their own sound. Like they did, they demoed, they might've done two demos and then they did a split with PC Death Squad. Um, but they came into their own sound on the Peace and Death 7-inch, which came out in 2008, Mind Disease Records. And because like on that one, they have Walks of Life, which is basically like, them really carving out their own sound. And then I think that they were kind of on the front end of that resurgence of like the crossover stuff, but their own take on it was adding a lot of the Venice in. So like, you know, they're doing what cause for alarm, corrosion conformity, like that kind of crossover, but also adding like the suicidal Beowulf type stuff. Um, You know, and also we should say like power trip was doing that pretty early they were kind of like right on the same wavelength, but now there's been a bunch of bands that did that. And, uh, you know, while I think take offense is one of the better ones, I think that they might've taken this right-hand turn or left-hand turn or whatever for a reason, which is just, okay, well now a lot of bands are doing the style. Let's attack something kind of new <clears throat> and they get really ambitious here. Like with a lot of the riffing, like the song, keep an eye out. Like <laughs> this riff is fucking wild. Like, you know, I'm a guitarist, but not a good one. And I like listen to something like this. I'm like, how long would it take for me to practice, to learn how to play this? In fact, I think that like my own personal hell would be like being the rhythm guitarist in a band with Greg, you know, like, Oh, here's the riff dude. And it's like, how, how am I going to play this dude? Come on. Like you've concocted this by playing this riff for like two weeks straight in your bedroom. You know, like I can never be on this level. So a lot of this is really ambitious and uh, AH has the voice and also the creativity to keep up with it. Kind of like how when we were talking about Downpressor, that the songs can be very disjointed, um, but they're they're tied together by the vocals. So AH does a great job of that. That said, side A is almost just too ambitious for my brain. Um, I will say that like there's a great, great guitar solo on the song Internalized is very Maiden-esque. Like, this solo is beyond, like, hardcore guitar soloing. This is, like, on that level. And it's why Greg's one of the great guitarists, straight up. But side B fucking bangs. You know, I love the idea of having side B start with an intro. You know, and that really plays the side A, side B thing. And, like, you know, the way that I always think about sequencing records or you know, back when I would do side A and side B with my records, like I'm thinking about what song I want to start out side B. And obviously these dudes are, if they're fucking putting an intro as like basically the sixth track on the record or the first song on side B. And I also love the tie-in calling it zoned in, you know, it's kind of a throwback to like one of the hits that they have, like the song T.O. Zone. So that into guilt free, which is just a straight ripper is like the shit. And then all the songs coming out of that, I think, bang, you know, um, just right on through. So I'm going side B. I think side B rips harder, although side A is like them being super ambitious and like showing their chops and showing like what makes them a special band. Um, Daniel, let's go to you. I'm uh, of the same kind of mind as you, I think. Um, the recording of performance on this LP, like 
it's top notch. The recording sounds amazing. The um you can tell the care of every vocal track, every single guitar line, like it's masterful. You know, they really outdid themselves on this record. The song Keep an Eye Out is like a mega opus to to start a record off, you know? Super good. And then my other two favorite songs on side A are Internalizing. Uh, sorry, Internalized. I, might, I can't read my own handwriting. And uh, Awaken a Dream. Uh, I think AH's vocals on both of those are really good and, and the guitar work is awesome. I think the uh, rhythm section on this LP fucking kills it too. Like Joe and, and uh, Randy really knock it out the park. Now side B starts with exactly what I want. A hard as fuck intro. Uh, I love the effect on the toms during it too. Like the, like on the, on the drum rolls, they like, yeah, that's wild. Yeah. They make the toms sound like fucking maniacal. It's so cool. Um, and you know what? Like, it's interesting that you said they, when the, when this style is starting to perpetuate and pe- bands are doing it, but but To is like leading the charge. But they would you know bringing in a lot of the suicidal and like you say the Venice influences, the California part of what crossover was, and uh, you know shout out to Greg doing the suicidal laugh right now. I wish that was on the soundboard, <laughs> but this one I feel like. They sound like leeway, but with better vocals um, on a couple of the songs on side B, uh, especially guilt free. Like I feel that song. Um, it's just so cool. Uh, the vocal pet placements and flourishes that he does is uh, very, very much um, kind of sounds like what a leeway um, where the vocals would be placed without the, you know um and then reap what you sow is my favorite song besides the uh, equal with uh zoned in because the really cool backup over the chorus the reap like the uh, it's just under the vocals you know and it it sounds so cool it's a really uh awesome sounding song so i'm going side b um you know, it's just, it's fucking awesome. And yeah, shout out to Greg because the guitar work on this, normally noodling would have me skipping. And there's something about when it's done really well. That's why I like Iron Maiden. That's why I like, you know, a few other bands. But uh, Greg, sh- Greg shredding on this is top notch. Yeah, they really nailed those the backups you're talking about on that reap what you sow. Yeah. Like, for them to pull off that, like the like singy backups is is a difficult task. Yeah, it could it could have really failed, but it it made the song the best song on the record. Yeah, I agree. I think that, that might be the best song on the record. I'm that and guilt free neck and neck. And it's zoned in, of course, like in yeah. intro, but that's on a, a different uh, lane. Yeah, we got you. We got to have one with AH on it to call it the best song on the on That's the right. LP, right? Agreed. Agreed. 
Ben, what's your take on this? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to begin this with a question that I'm going to pose to both of you. Name a band, any genre that has been together for 15 or more years and only keeps getting better. Yeah. Uh, who's the best? So. Besides retaliate. <laughs> besides retaliate. I actually wrote besides retaliate my notes. I really did. All right. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Um, okay. But, but no, seriously, I mean, like, think about it. They're the one. Just, they're the one. They're yeah. great. Yeah. Like, it's just, it, it's an anomaly. I, I can't think of anyone else. Well, there's so, another band that we talked about on here, Downpressor. I think that they started, I don't, yeah, they got to be around 15 and they did an LP that came out December of 2019 that might be their best thing too. So they would be the other one possibly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah you're right. Their, their, their second LP is better than their first and their first one is really yeah. good. Although they've only done two LPs and take offense is like, four LP band. So you don't think the latest sick of it all is better than blood sweat. I don't think I've heard the latest sick of it all. So it might be, but I I really got that possibility. I did see them in 2019 and they were as good as I've ever seen them. Yeah. No, I'm I'm, I'm being, I'm being facetious with the question because the question is set up to say, no, you're right. Take offense is no, I know. I'm just saying like maybe their album output isn't, but like, fuck. Still yeah. so good. And you know what? The last two terror records are two of my favorite terror records. I should That's say. True. So oh, okay. So so you actually managed to name two other bands. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's I think good. that's a great question. We maybe we should have saved that for the a topic episode, but oh well, too late now. Too late. Uh, All right, go on, Ben. Th- this album grew on me when I uh I went from thinking it sounded funny and audacious to loving it and then buying it and then bumping it in my car like many times. So usually when I buy something, I'll listen to it once all the way through and file it away. But I have this, you know, in the, in the center, I'm a CD guy. I have this in the center console, ready to, ready to go. Um, and to me, it totally is like you, both of you mentioned this. It's like leeway meets late eighties suicidal and it actually inspired me to revisit that late 80s suicidal material because I never liked it. And I still hate it, but I, I love this. So I guess that says a lot that like you're doing you're you're doing that later suicidal stuff, but kind of like, well, at least in my opinion, better than suicidal did it. Um and um well they cherry they having, cherry picked all the best parts, right? That's gotta be it. So yeah. they didn't they yeah. didn't leave, they didn't they didn't take the stuff that really drags that stuff down, you know? Well, and also if you're just looking at late eighties suicidal, there's a lot of hit or miss stuff, but the, the album, how I laughed tomorrow off against smile today, like that's the one. So Ben, you should check that out by itself. That whole record. The, yeah, the, I think the I follower. Did. Okay. But like, if you, but if you're listening to like that and art of rebellion and there's one other lights camera revolution, I believe. Like if you're listening to them like all in a row, that might be a little much. And those two that follow it are not as great. But How I Laugh Tomorrow is like, I mean, that's top twenty record of any genre for me still. So anyway, yeah, I, I tried. Um, I was gonna say his voice has personality, and the songs take all kinds of weird turns that you can't see coming from a million miles away, and um, 
that to me is what makes take events the best bound band out of like all these bands that are kind of playing in this general style right now. Like I call it leeway core, which is like the only kind of metallic hardcore that I can get with. Like, <laughs> like if you're doing like a metallic hardcore band that doesn't, isn't influenced by leeway, there's like pretty much like a 100% chance that I, I'm not going to like your band. So you know, thankfully there's enough of that stuff happening right now where I can, you know, dig a lot of it. Um, so, uh, divide, I love where he says divide and conquer is the name of the game. And, he, and he's just like injecting too many syllables in this little part of the song that goes into this fast part, which is like awesome. It totally works. Um, and then the guitar work on internalized is so above anything I could ever do or, or ever think of doing just like you were saying, like it would be a nightmare for you to play rhythm guitar in this band. Like it would be a nightmare for me to play lead guitar in this band. Like it's, it reminds me of how Alex joined uh, from chain of strength joined uh, Excel. And like, I know some of those Excel guys and it's like, I literally couldn't do that. Like if they said, Hey, uh, we want you to be the guitar player of Excel. I'd be like, I'm incapable of playing guitar that well. I just can't do it. Um, and then uh, I love the, uh, the, the, some of the guitar, it sounds real flangery and chorusy and real 80s sounding like, like Van Halen, which I love. Like that's my favorite kind of guitar effect is the flanger. I, we and know <laughs> we know yeah i always bring it up anytime there's a flanger i will bring it up do you um, know what there's there's a guitar part since you're discussing the guitar right now there's i think it's on god i'm i because i listened to this like three or four times today like now it's all mushing together you know but um i think we were talking about the the um uh reap what you sow song there's a guitar part that's a break and it is like almost like a Susie goth part just for it just hits it for two measures and then it goes back into you know uh regular take offense and then it and then he starts soloing and you know shredding but there's like a really discordant like um with a heavy guitar part where he just goes, it's just so it sticks out so much to me where I was like, Whoa, that sounds so cool. Yeah. Um, and with you talking yeah. about like Ben liking this and not liking a lot of that other stuff, because you're saying they're plucking the best stuff. There's a lot of the stuff on side a that reminds me of, you know, when I was a kid and I used to listen to a lot of butt rock, you know, like poison and shit like that. Like some of these riffs are bordering on, some of that like eighties hair metal and like, but he's just plucking out like the good stuff and like in and out with it. And then you have yeah. the vocals that the vocals keep it hardcore, you know? Yeah. So it's like, you can kind of get away with it. You can get away with it. If like you have like a, you know, even an eighties speed metal singer over the top of it, it would, it would come off weird, but yeah. you know, there's so much like, let's just push these boundaries for like, you know, a couple measures or for like a riff and it keeps it interesting because they're able to like pull it back and stay in that lane where it like keeps it straightforward enough to like it. But like, you know, they're, they just line step a little bit and it's great. Yeah. And, and even the record cover itself is, is like, is, is pushing the boundary of like, 
like like almost bordering on absurd but not quite like like let's go as far as we can and while maintaining like quality and and being cool and good and like i was when you're talking about Susie and the banshees like think about how like that kind of chorusy flangery sound just in the 80s like you have goth you have like the van halen hair metal stuff and then you have like dagnasty verbal assault and they're all doing that they all have that guitar tone going and it like works for so many different things but it's all like solidly like associated with the 80s and um the the, the album as a whole i actually don't have a go-to song like whenever i put this like some records when i put them on i'll I'll start at a certain song like this is the song i want to hear like this one i just put it on from the beginning and listen to the whole thing and um it's so it's kind of difficult for me to be like which one to figure out which side is better but i actually went with side a by a hair i think there's just a few like moments that that are both that are on side a that stand out for me so that's what i'm going with I think if you're on the fence, zoned in has got to push you to side B because you know you're banging your head, dude. Plus, like Daniel saying, like the <laughs> that drum shit is just fucking wild. Like, what are you even doing, and why am I loving it? Yeah, like yeah. it's just some of that out there shit. Like, what, 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 just what? Having fun production and making something stand out and and be different and just like, yeah, we did that. Yeah, it doesn't sound like this at all, but it kind of reminds me a little bit of like the end of that bad religion song anesthesia, how, when they go to like the dun, 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 and then like the drums in the back are just like doing whatever, like do, 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 do. Like he's hitting like the reggae drums almost. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Whoa, what the fuck is yeah. happening? And it's why delay. is this Give me some yeah, turn the delay up on that. Give me some reggae. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, this album rips, everyone check it out. And this is one to not skip through. Like if you're skipping through that funeral oration, just to listen to expanding uh, at my request. This is one you can bang the whole way through like Bedge does in his car. And Ben, you know, it's funny because I was asking Randy and age today. I was like, did you need your records come out on CD? And they did say this one did. And I think one other one came out in a, a little cardboard sleeve, but uh, um, definitely, definitely the one with here um, before I embarrass myself, United States of mind definitely came out on CD. I've seen that. I want to say all of them did. Here, let's see. Uh, yes, and e- yes. You call them a four-album band? I'm seeing three albums here. What, do you, what, are, what am I missing? Uh, let me pull it up. Tables, tables will turn. United States of Mind. Keep an eye out. What's the What's the other? Uh, I think Under the Same Shadow is what I consider, but that might only be four songs. But it's on a 12-inch. Yeah, four-song right? 12-inch. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a four song, four song, twelve inch. So the of of the full lengths, all three of them are, are on CD. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah, three LPs. And yeah, I, I get a little confused because I I thought United States of Mind is shorter than it is, but yeah, it's like a full length too. Um. Well, righteous. Let's go on to our last one, and we're doing the final Youth of the Day seven inch, the Disengage seven inch Revelation Records, nineteen ninety. Ben, let's go to you first. What's your take? Um, This is an incredible record that I've been listening to for a a long ass time. And I remember whenever I think of this record, the first thing I think of is listening to this on a cassette 
with headphones on during that massive Landers earthquake in 1992. And it was weird because when you're listening to really loud music on headphones, you don't hear the low rumbling that when earthquakes happen. So it kind of makes it seem less scary when an earthquake is happening because you're only feeling the room move. You're not hearing a... So I always think of the earthquake. And then um, the other thing is um, at Rev 25, Ray Capo says, I want Walter coming up on stage to sing this song with me because he wrote it. And Walter like probably didn't know the words because Ray Capo wrote the words to it. And so... So I, I want to say like Walter embarrassingly staged Dove like during Disengage. So he didn't have to let, so he's off the hook for singing along. Um, but it's so funny that like, of course, Walter wrote, wrote that song. Cause it's so fucking good. Like he's clearly like the best <laughs> songwriter of that whole early rev scene. It's like, of course, like the like most epic youth of today song was written by like the best songwriter in, in that whole scene. Um, and like the breakdown is just and the lyrics are incredible like it's almost like uh i want to say this helped in a weird way helped me get into heavy metal music because it's like if i got got that dan dig 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 dan dan like that last bold seven inch does some of that stuff too it's almost like new wave of british heavy metal but like overlaid over like youth crew sound and then um like ray is krishna at this point and he's like kind of expressing you know real broad viewpoints about you know materialism and society crumbling and stuff that i totally can agree with even though i'm like absolutely not krishna at all and then modern love story so now we're on side b modern love story it's a total rager and it has no breakdowns which is refreshing in like this era and this scene where like people like lean so they like rely so heavily on breakdowns to like write a really good song with that's just fast front to back is like it, it's pretty cool to hear that and then envy is the most judge sounding youth of today song which i believe porcel wrote when he was you know judge was going at this point he was that was like his main gig and i never really thought about that until i heard the episode for uh for this album on the where it went podcast and um and I, and Porcel said this is the most like judge sounding thing I did in Youth of Today, so it's really good as well. And I, I consider this a perfect record. And it's like insane how many perfect records Rev put out in such a short period of time. It's almost like we take it for granted because it's like you know, like you, this is like some of the first stuff you get into when you get into this kind of music. And it's just like, oh yeah, of course, like of course Youth of Today, like all the records are perfect and Gorilla Biscuits and judge and you name it and it's just like you know looking back on it it's like astonishing like that there could be so much great music happening all at the same time all on the same record label all on the same scene and then um like youth of today just don't have any duds and and this is like the this is the cherry on top like the band had already broken up when they had when they recorded this it was like salad day like minor threat salad day style like let's let's all get back in the studio for three more songs. And so it's kind of like a cherry on top of like their perfect legacy. And like, I'm going to go with side a, cause it's the nervous breakdown theory, the best song, you know, if one, if one side of a record ha has only one song on it, but that's the best song, that's the one that wins. 
So I'm going to go disengage side A. Yeah, this is so interesting in the lineage of Youth of Day because, you know, they do Can't Close My Eyes, which is great in its own right. Great first seven inch, right? But the two LPs are the fucking bangers. Like, they're perfect hardcore records. And then, like, to do this on the end is, is kind of like unbroken in a way, you know, to do their masterpiece, Life, Love, Regret, and then come off that and just take a slight tweak of the sound and then, like, create, like, two seven inches in the end, which are, like, amazing as well, but just a tiny, tiny bit different. You know, this recording is is different than the Youth of the LPs. It's a little less raw, a little more produced, um, but the songs are right there. Although, you know, with what that part you were talking about, Ben, on disengage, like the part going to the breakdown, the dun, 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 dun. what a part, you know, like those dynamics. And, and that's a part that would be, you know, replicated a lot from hardcore bands, like moving forward. Uh, Modern Love Story is a rager. It's the closest to like old youth of the day, I guess. Um, and then Envy. Yeah, I guess he is a little judgy. Like I wrote a note that gives me no help now. Because I was thinking like this could have been like if they continued, this would be like kind of where they would go with the sound. I guess it is just a little more judgy metallic-y. I wrote down a glimpse of what could have been, which doesn't help me at fucking all. You know? <laughs> but like, I don't know. Disengage is great, Envy's great, Modern Love Story is a rager. Fucking A. I gotta go disengage though. It's the best song on the record for sure. Um Although all three are great and youth today is great. Um, Daniel, what's your take? Well, since I'm following Ben and have many of the same thoughts, um, you know, what's really interesting is as I was listening to this back then. Yeah, no, no, but I'm saying (laughs) I got that. (laughs) No, 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 no. That Ben brought up some of the points that I want to talk about. Um, What's really interesting and very uncanny is, uh, you know, as I was listening to this, I was, you know, watching SummerSlam 1990 and Earthquake, the wrestler was feuding with Hogan. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm just trying to say. Well, it's bullshit too. Like, I'm, just, I'm just trying to bring in an Earthquake reference to go with Ben's. <laughs> well, I'll go on that for a second. It's a rare time that WF didn't do a blow off on a pay-per-view. It was very disappointing because Hogan was out for all those months because Earthquake injured him. And yeah, they come back and it was like it was like a count out or something. It was like Hogan never got his victory on like pay-per-view. Because you know? Dino Bravo was was involved. R.I.P. Sweet Prince. Yeah. This is okay. fun. It's funny you mentioned that because this is the one era of wrestling. One of two eras of wrestling where I was actually paying attention and now I and I don't remember anything. I remember those, all those wrestlers, but I couldn't have told you who fought in SummerSlam 90, but I'm sure I watched it. So <laughs> I'm useless. Um, I got to say about this whole EP, Walter on bass is incredible. Like the bass on this is so good. I mean, everything on it is so good. Like Sammy's killing it. But why are you firing shots at Craig ahead, dude? He was pretty great too. Yeah. But I... I <laughs> sorry sorry craig um disengage is by far the best song of the three and it's interesting that ben refers to this as the salad days because 
similar to Stumped, while it being a good song, is nowhere near the caliber of the other songs on the 7-inch, and that is the same for Modern Love Story. It is... uh, It feels unfinished to me. Um, It's got clumsy vocal placement. Love Story! Like, it... I don't know. It just... It's never been one that's grabbed me. Isn't that though, Dan, isn't that though showing that they can still just YOLO? They're like, all right, we're going to have two big bangers, Disengage and Envy, and then let's just do one song where we rage so we show we still got it. But I don't don't think it's that. I mean, maybe that's the intention. It just doesn't feel... feels rushed um, to me. Um, Envy is so good. I love the 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 low key like here we go <laughs> like ad lib at the beginning you know um but yeah this whole ep is uh laden in krishna lyrical vibes throughout you know um shelter obviously is going at this time and and uh you know it's it's definitely heard even the disengage song is is a very krishna lyrical um kind of the the idea of you know not stepping aside from society and and trying to do something different and think about things differently it's obviously uh going on in the lyrics i think the um one of the best things about you know there's three different eras of capo performances you know there's the snarling wild animal out of a cage in the early. Then there's the controlled, like super aggression of we're not in this alone. And then there's this, which went on to influence so many records that would come 90 to 95 of the, the disengage, you know, like a little whiny part. Like or the envy part, envy when it's going into that break on envy, like it it has a whiny, still kind of hard but whiny element to it. So many bands and so many singers have like copied that, like the taking the foot off the aggressive thing to kind of emote uh, with a word or a line or something. Um, I mean, I, I I love the seven inch. Don't get me wrong, I absolutely love it. But disengage is the banger. Side A, all day. Yeah, and I think that that's, that was a good take, Daniel, on like that that one little vocal trope. Because you're yeah. right, you know. You're disengage. Yeah. And they were saying on the on where it went, or I think it was Porcel who they were interviewing, but he was like Ray came in to do the vocals and he was all singy, like really singy, like, like a uh, shelter style. And they were like, uh, like bummed, like, no, don't sing it that way. And they had, it took a long time to convince him to just be like, just belt it out. Just, this is youth of today. Sing it like youth of today, like pr- sing it aggressively. And then finally he was just like jumping, uh, uh running running back and forth in the studio and they had they made the mic so he could hold it in his hands and end up uh, you know jumping off the walls and that's the and, same um, way he did the vocals for we're not in this alone dom fury like deconstructed the mic so he could like leap around the room well they just had to give him some coke <laughs> you know like, let's, let's pick this up ray do a bump 
<laughs> do you know what? Do you know what's uh, another thing we haven't mentioned about this? I love the the strange tour pictures uh, that go with this release. You know, the pictures oh, in, the, in the van and the like, looking through the window type stuff. Yeah, yeah cool. sweatpants and Doc Martens. That's a big. That was a big. That was a big <laughs> topic in the. I don't want to. I don't want to retread on stuff that they already talked about on that podcast. But yeah, I think we all saw the same stuff with the with, with this record. And Ray's yeah. weird weird haircut too. Yeah, well, we, we can just say that you know this record. If you want to dive hard into it, check out the Where It Went podcast, and uh, they do this record and dive way into it. It's only the Where It Went the Where It Went podcast can do properly. So uh, check that out. But you can check out the seven inch on the uh, Spotify playlist, and unfortunately, you can't see those photos on there until Spotify steps up their game and puts lyrics and layouts on. Yeah, um, Google Images it, it, until then. Yeah, hit it up on Discogs or whatever. But uh, yeah, you guys did a great job again. I think this is really fun, and everyone out there, remember there's a playlist for every episode. One hundred eighty-five miles south dot com. Send in the records you want us to do. 185 miles south at gmail.com. That's the one spot where you can hit me up and I will get your email. If it takes a couple days to respond, it might, but I'll get back to everyone. Um, also, when we, a- post, when we post about this episode, if you want to leave any comments, we'll, we'll, we'll cue you to leave comments of like records that you want to see done as well. Yeah. We can pull them off the Instagram. It's just if you're lazy, <laughs> it's not my favorite. Hit up that Gmail. Cause then it's there. Forever. I don't delete that shit. I'm one of those assholes that has like 19,000 emails, you know? Um, But yeah. All right, dudes. We'll talk to you on Monday. Bye-bye.